Hello, everyone. Good morning. This is Blaine Gilmer with Southeastern 14, and it is Wednesday, September 6th. We are heading into week two of SEC football action. Have previews and predictions and all that kind of stuff going down on the channel. So make sure you are subscribed and checking out all of that stuff. Of course, Alabama, Texas is this week. Miami uh, host Texas A&M this week. You have Vanderbilt trying to stay undefeated going to Wake Forest. You got Ole Miss heading down to New Orleans for a tough matchup against Tulane. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and we break that all down in our previews and predictions. So like I said, uh, catch that on the channel. But this is the SEC Morning Report here on Southeastern 14. Like I said, I'm Blaine Gilmer. You can follow me using at BGilmer18. Follow the channel using at 14 Southeastern. Now, we're going to get into a few things here on the morning report. We've got an injury report. We're going to catch you up on some of the, the key guys who got some either some good news or got some bad news and, you know, what that's going to mean for their teams here going forward uh, in SEC play coming up in a couple of weeks for a few of these teams. Um, you know, you got a kind of simulated uh, future SEC matchup in Alabama and Texas here this week. Alabama trying to give Texas a, a, a round two, another little preview of what life will look like in the SEC going forward as they come to Tuscaloosa. But we'll get to those injuries. We'll also talk about a starting quarterback that has been officially named for his team going forward in this season. And then finally, we're going to identify a couple of position groups that need to step things up as they head into some of these marquee matchups. So injury report heading into week two. Guys, we got to talk about and start off with Kenneth Horsey of Kentucky. Kenneth Horsey went down in that Ball State game with a knee injury. Uh, it looked bad, got carted off the field. Nobody knew you know, just how bad it was going to be. Mark Stoops kind of gave it, hey, we hope it's nothing serious. It comes out yesterday and reports that Kenneth Horsey should only miss a few weeks, and that is huge for a Kentucky team that is really looking to, you know, be more physical on the offensive line. They were atrocious last year, didn't weren't able to run the football. Kenneth Horsey will be a big part of what they're doing. And if they can only miss him for a couple of weeks, well, that's a couple of weeks they can afford because they've got Eastern Kentucky, they have Akron, they go to Vanderbilt, all three games I think they'll be able to take care of even without Kenneth Horsey in the mix. And then they get Florida at home and then go on the road to Georgia. I think ideally if they could get Kenneth Horsey back at the end of September for that Florida game at home and then him get some reps and some confidence in that knee before he has to go on the road to face Georgia. I think that would be ideal for them. So, but regardless, a big, big set of news there for Kentucky that Kenneth Horsey will not be lost for the season and he will get to play at some point this year. So that is a big positive for Kentucky. Now a big negative for a team is South Carolina's Mo Caba. He was he was out for the season last year and recovering from injury after that Georgia Georgia game and now after this North Carolina game has received news that he is going to have a season ending knee injury. 
uh, just feel terrible for the young man, an active linebacker, a guy that South Carolina was counting on to really help fortify that defense over there. And just it's unfortunate that he's not going to be able to be a part of things for the game. Cox going forward they are kind of a mash unit up front they lost case and henry you know early on in that game against north carolina who knows how how well the offensive line is going to heal up over there they're 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 real thin there they're thin in the secondary but mokaba being lost for the year is a huge huge blow for south carolina uh, hopefully they'll be able to get Juice Wells back uh, to full strength soon and Nick Harbour, two receivers that they really need over there to kind of be full strength to continue to help out Spencer Rattler, who played phenomenal. It was just offensive line was atrocious. But uh, the big news over there, Mo Caba, linebacker for South Carolina, out for the season with a knee injury. That big matchup that we talked about, Alabama and Texas, the strength of that Texas team is that passing attack under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Of course, we know Quinn Ewers can make every throw there is on the field, and he's got plenty of receivers to do it with. Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Donna Mitchell, who transferred over from Georgia, and then, of course, Jatavian Sanders, who's a big tight end for those guys. I mean, the list goes on and on of targets that Quinn Ewers has, and that makes it even more important that Alabama is intact and full strength there in the secondary, and that may not be the case, as right now, Jalen Key and Malachi Moore, Jalen Key is safety, Malachi Moore star position, are both questionable for this game. They left the uh, Middle Tennessee State game with injuries, uh, kind of undisclosed injuries. It's rumored that Malachi Moores could be a maybe a high ankle sprain. You never know how long it's going to take something like that to heal. Is it something that requires a tightrope in, uh, tightrope surgery procedure to to fix as Tua's did a couple of years ago? Now Lawson Lucky's had that same thing for Georgia, a reserve tight end that they've had that they've been counting on to do some things. So you never know with those high ankle injuries, high ankle sprains, if that's indeed what it is. But Jalen Key had an interception. The UAB transfer had an interception for Alabama uh, in that first game against Middle Tennessee State. And now who knows if he's going to be out, if if Malachi Moore, if both of them are going to be out. And if they are, that's going to require Trey Amos to kind of probably move over to corner, Terry on Arnold to move to star. And that is a big shakeup uh, for guys. And they'll have to develop a little bit of depth there in the secondary pretty quickly with a very talented Texas wide receiving unit and tight end uh, unit coming in there to Tuscaloosa. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Staying inside the state of Alabama, Auburn is still questioning whether Jarquez Hunter is going to be available, not because of injury, but because of uh, the unfortunate situation he had this summer with some uh, videotape uh, getting leaked and now Auburn being involved uh, the university being involved in, you know, maybe deciding when he can play, when he cannot. Uh, Hugh Freeze has very, been very vague with his comments, and he said, hey, a lot of guys, uh, you know, we're uncertain of the status of, one of those being Nehemiah Pritchett as well. So, in my opinion, Jarquez Hunter and Nehemiah Pritchett, also uh, Caleb Wooden didn't play uh, in the in the opener for Auburn. I think they should be able to get him back, but if Nehemiah Pritchett 
Um, he's a guy that he's a shutdown corner. I really, really like him on the outside. And, of course, we know what Jarquez Hunter can do. So, with Auburn going on a road game, their five-point favorite against Cal, we also broke that one down uh, and did our preview and prediction. So, like I said, another reason to subscribe to the channel, like, turn on notifications, all that good stuff. It would be huge for Auburn on the road to have two those two primetime players available for them. So, uh, you know, like I said, Jarquez Hunter's not due to injury, due to, you know, just unfortunate circumstances that he has going on with the investigation probably with with the university there. And Hugh Freeze really unable to comment on it very much. And then, of course, Nehemiah Pritchett, um, you know, he did sit out due to injury. And then hopefully he will be back for Auburn in this game. Ladd McConkey continues to have back problems uh, at the University of Georgia. Now, Ladd McConkey is not someone that Georgia is going to need in these, you know, opening games. I think, you know, UT Martin, they took care of business, Ball State. They got this week, even against South Carolina, I don't think you you need Ladd McConkey there. UAB, you don't. But by that Auburn game at Auburn, September 30th, I know that even earlier than that, hopefully by that UAB game for Georgia, I know that. Kirby Smart would love to see Ladd McConkey getting on the field, getting game reps with Carson Beck as his quarterback, getting some of that experience there, the rapport between those two as Ladd McConkey is a guy who has worked himself up to being a guy that many people think could get drafted in the second or third round, a playmaker for Georgia, somebody they definitely miss. They should get Marcus Rosemey Jackson, who was dealing with a internal uh, discipline deal. They should get him back. They should get Jackson Meeks back from injury here. So get a lot of those guys back. And then they're hoping to get Dejan Edwards back as well. They're leading runner, running back that's returning from a year ago. He did not play uh, kind of out of precaution with MCL injury, uh, sprain, things like that. So he didn't play against UT Martin. We'll see if he gets back for Georgia against Ball State. And then lastly, uh, Ruben Fathery, the, the left tackle for Texas A&M. I don't know if he'll start this week or not. He's still kind of up in the air. That would be huge for Connor Wigman to have that experience. Uh, left tackle there against Miami. He was listed, oddly enough, as the second team right tackle um, and dressed out but didn't, didn't really uh, do anything in the opener against New Mexico. So he, you can tell he's kind of working his way back for Texas A&M. That is the injury report. That's the injury news that we have right now here for Southeastern 14. Like I said, like, subscribe, turn on notifications. And now in other news, Brady Cook uh, for Missouri has been named the starter by Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, it kind of came into came into the season, you know, saying it was going to be a battle between him and Sam Horn, but Brady Cook really uh, performed well and earned this job over Sam Horn and also a transfer from Miami, Jake Garcia. I think when you look at Brady Cook, you see a guy who just continues to compete, just continues to show uh, moxie and leadership, and I really, really like this move by Eli Drinkwitz. I think the, the players believe in Brady Cook, um, and he's just a guy that, Came out and had a, a good opening game, 17 of 21, 81% of his passes. Listen, he's never going to to 
right now, Eli Drinkwitz at company haven't proven that they're going to really wow you with yards per attempt, okay? In Brady Cook's career, here's his yards per attempt when he's had, uh, you know, over 50-something pass attempts for a team in 2021, 5.9 yards per attempt. Last year as the full-time guy, 7.2 yards per attempt. He had 8.2 yards per attempt in the game against South Dakota. So, you know, nothing that's going to wow you. He was, but he was efficient, 17 to 21, 81%, 172 yards and a touchdown for a quarterback rating of 165 in the opening game. I really like what he can do with his legs as well. You know, last year, he rushed for 585 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, didn't really have to do a whole lot of that in this this first game. Three carries, 17 yards. Did rush for a touchdown against uh, South Dakota. So I just think you see this offense look very, very comfortable uh, for Missouri with Brady Cook at quarterback. And listen, I saw him compete his tail off against Georgia last year against uh, Tennessee for, you know, a greater part of that football game, about three quarters, and it got away from him in the fourth quarter. But Brady Cook can make plays, and he's starting to see the full picture for Eli Drinkwitz and company over there. He's got talented weapons in Luther Burden and Theo Wees to distribute the ball to. I really like the running back, Cody Schrader. And listen, Missouri offensively, all they need is someone who's going to compete, is going to extend drives, and is going to value the football because over there on that defensive side, they are absolutely loaded with experience and with NFL talent over there. You're going to see guys like uh, Chris Abrams-Drain and Enish Rakestraw and Tyrone Hopper all playing at the next level on Sundays. And then you talk about returning 10 starters, nine of them seniors, having more senior depth behind those nine guys. It is an embarrassment of, of riches in terms of the continuity, the experience, and the talent that Missouri has on defense. I, I really like that side of the ball for them. So Brady Cook, I think, is a good complimentary piece for Missouri to name as the starter for Eli Drinkwitz and company. Now, listen, Brady Cook is a guy who, like I said, anytime you run around – in the SEC, you have to make sure that you're smart about it. I, I, he sometimes can almost be to his own detriment when you're talking about uh, putting his body in in way of injury, possibly. And that's something that he needs to work on, making sure he slides, making sure he gets down, uh, protects himself and so that he can continue to lead this football team because I think you do see the leadership there. I really like Cody Schrader at running back at 7.7 .7 yards a carry in his first one. Nathaniel Pete is a good change-up guy. And they got the ball to Luther Burden seven times, seven receptions. He had a carry uh, on – so eight touches for him offensively. They got to continue to find ways. He needs at least ten touches a game, in my opinion. you got to find a way – to get Luther Burden the football. Um, so I like that move for Eli Drinkwitz and company. I think Brady Cook is a guy who really, like I said, fortifies uh, what they're trying to do offensively and plays a very good complement to the defensive side of the football for Missouri over there. So Brady Cook, starting quarterback for Missouri officially uh, after Sam Horn got an opportunity. I think Sam Horn has a lot of upside, but really good job. Uh, week one by Brady Cook, and he's earned 
the right to be the starter for Eli Drinkwitz and that offense. Now, let's talk about some units that need to step it up a little bit or maybe even some individual players. In this Texas and Alabama matchup, Tommy Reese was brought in for one reason, and that was to instill a physicality that Alabama has not had in terms of running the football, establishing the run with that offensive line. And the player that I'm looking at the most is going to be Caden Proctor, freshman left tackle for Alabama. The Middle Tennessee State had a linebacker that perfectly timed the blitz. He's about 235 pounds and knocked 340-plus-pound left tackle Caden Proctor absolutely on his I mean, blew him backwards, and you're going to see that on film if you're Texas, and you're going to say, hey, this young freshman, we got to try to take it to him a little bit. Um, I, th I know that they're going to move around that front over there. Um, they got Ethan Burke, who is a active guy that can be on the edge for Texas, so they'll be matched up a good bit. And I just think that when you're talking, maybe they move Jalen Ford over there over top of him and, and test his physicality a little bit. But I think we need to see how quickly is Caden Proctor going to respond in this huge matchup. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care what kind of a blue chip guy you are. You've got to respond and you've got to make sure that you are you know, helping out Jalen Milrow, that's the blind side over there. I know that he's able to escape a lot of things, but that's a critical, critical position, and we'll see how he responds in his first primetime matchup. Also, the secondary, listen, if if Jalen Key is unable to go, if Malachi Moore is unable to go, then we need to see Christian Story, and we need to see Earl Little step up in that secondary and really play uh, – play well. Uh, Christian Story's been kind of hit or miss throughout his career for Alabama, and then Earl Little just doesn't have a whole lot of experience, but we saw the talent flash in the spring game of a very acrobatic interception uh, that he made. Of course, he's got that NFL pedigree, so we need to see those two guys be prepared, ready to go uh, against a very, very talented Texas wide receiving core. So looking forward to seeing how those guys step up in this matchup. Now, Texas A&M. This Texas A&M team is loaded with talent. You look anywhere around the country and you're going to look at the composite, you know, composite talent rankings. Who has the most blue chip guys on their roster? Guys that were the most highly rated coming out of high school. Well, that 2022 class for Texas A&M was huge, 2021-2022 class on that defensive front. And I think that's going to be the key for Texas A&M in this game. Tyler Van Dyke's a good quarterback. They have uh, you know, Xavier Restrepo over there that can do some, some good things for Miami at wide receiver. They have Henry Parrish running the football, a former old Miss guy that is now at Miami after a couple seasons there. So they have a talented offense over there in Miami, but this defensive front needs to shut it down and they need to make sure they are taking care of business early. I need to see Jackson McKinley up front, a senior nose tackle. I need to see Walter Nolan. I need to see Shamar Stewart, Shamar Turner. Um, need to see LT Overton, Fidel Diggs, all these guys, Anai White, 
all these guys that are across this defensive front for Texas A&M need to see him step up and get after the quarterback. Tyler Van Dyke can run a little bit, but he's not the most mobile in the world. They need to pressure them. Uh, because I really trust, I really trust the back end. I really do. But even even as talented and experienced as guys like like Bryce Anderson and like Tony Grimes and Damari Richardson in the back end are, we need to see Texas A&M get pressure up front, and those guys have the talent to do it. So I'm saying, hey, let's see Texas A&M step up and really show. Okay, DJ Durkin and company, this is what Texas A&M defense is all about because that environment over there at Miami is not a great environment uh, even as a home team so I think they can take the what little crowd is there out of it early uh, really suck the energy out of Hard Rock Stadium over there then I think you'll see Texas A&M have a good night full uh, breakdown and preview on that game like I said over on the channel here in the archives so check that out as well but really want to see specifically uh, off the edge I want to see how Fidel Diggs LT Overton Shamar Turner Shamar Stewart can they get to the quarterback can they get home multiple times on Tyler Van Dyke and uh, you know help that back in out even more over there that would be key for me and then I want to see Vanderbilt's offensive line okay Listen, you need to stay on the field if you're Vanderbilt and help A.J. Swan out. Give that man some time. He is talented. He needs to be able to get the ball out to Jaden McGowan and to Will Shepard and also help him out by getting a little bit of a run game going. They got Alexander, the freshman, uh, going a little bit against Alabama A&M. They need to get him going a little bit more, him and Smith, uh, against Wake Forest, but Vanderbilt's offensive line, that is the key to this one. They need to be able to protect and they be able to run the ball efficiently and keep that slow mesh offense that Wake Forest runs so well off the field uh, and really kind of shorten this game. With the clock rules, uh, Vanderbilt can do that against a bunch of teams this year if they're able to run the ball a little bit more effectively and sustain some drives everybody can shorten the game with these clock rules and i think that would be in vanderbilt's interest to do so so definitely need to see that and then lastly over at old miss i need to see the old miss secondary step up against michael pratt and a very very talented two-lane passing attack okay uh they've got a couple guys that that you know can really stretch the field made some great plays michael pratt has seen just about every coverage there is they really really trust him to make checks at the line to to put them in the right position and to put the ball where their guys can make plays it's going to be incumbent upon old miss They've got some guys that have transferred in, some guys that, okay, how how are they all the pieces all going to fit together, whether it's um, whether it's John Saunders back there at the nickel, whether it's Deshaun Gaddy Jr., who's at corner, whether it's Dejon Anthony, who transferred in from Liberty at the safety position. Uh, a lot of guys that are all kind of fitting together, and Pete Golden is, is trying to fit them together. They didn't really get a strong test against Mercer in week one. This will be a much stronger test, a very, very good football team in Tulane on the back end. So I want to see how that Ole Miss secondary responds this week, and those are the players that I think you need to see across the SEC 
in week two, step it up. So we've covered injuries. We've covered Brady Cook being the starter for Missouri and what that means for the Tigers going forward and then some players there that you need to see step it up in week two. And I'm going to throw one more in there. I want to see Georgia's offensive line, who is supposedly the best offensive line in all of college football. They've got four guys that could get drafted. I want to see them step up and dominate against Ball State this week. They did not do what they needed to do against UT Martin. Didn't absolutely. Now, Kirby Smart says maybe it's the coaches staff need to help them out with some different situations and, and things like that. UT Martin was doing some things that, that they needed to see and it, blah, 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 whatever. It's UT Martin, okay? Go dominate. Road grade. You're bigger, you're stronger, make room in the running game, help Carson Beck as first-time starter out and just road grade and make room for your running backs to run. I expect them to do that in week two against Ball State. That's a challenge uh, that Georgia needs to take with that offensive line there that is immensely talented. Need to see them step up as well. So, guys, that's all of our stuff for the morning report. I am Blaine Gilmer for Southeastern 14. If you like daily SEC coverage, be right here. We get the morning report early in the mornings as you're watching now. Also, we have a daily show with Chris Lee, Blake Lovell, and Gavin Schoenwald, and we do previews, predictions. We have Brian Edwards doing betting picks on, on Friday mornings. We have Jake's Takes that's released with Jake Crane of Crane & Company on the Daily Wire. So, so much content. You can't even handle it. It's all right here, SEC Sports Coverage football, baseball, basketball, but right now we're in the thick of football season. So like, subscribe, turn on notifications. I'm Blaine Gilmer. You can follow me on Twitter using at BGilmer18, and we will catch you guys next time to talk more SEC sports and SEC football here on Southeastern 14.